Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. Several weeks ago, uh, I was in Indiana for their full-scale exercise for, I believe it was District 6. There was called Operation Lights Out. You should have seen it on uh, our social media. We had Jessica and Jeremy on the show to talk about that. Really cool stuff. While I was out there, I met a really amazing group of people. In fact, I think I mentioned this on social media. Emergency managers in Indiana have figured it out. They're highly passionate. They're trained. They're trying to do things right. Uh, they, they have this actually a three-year program for their training schedule. And when I was talking to different people, I ran into this amazing person, Eric, uh, in fact, Chief Eric Funkhauser, who is uh, out of Bargersville. I'm going to, I might have pronounced that wrong. Yeah. 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 And he is, um, he's doing some really amazing stuff with drones. And so you might've gotten from the title of this episode, drones for good, but really what, what we were talking about, because I have a drone background, obviously with my FEMA stuff and doing preliminary damage assessments. And he was going after use case after use case after use case of how they've been using drones to both find people, to mitigate problems with uh, fugitives from uh, people who get hurt and uh, people who've been on rivers and people who've been in fields and all different kinds of stuff. And I just thought these stories were so amazing because it shows uh, the, the numerous examples of drones and what technology can do for us in response, especially our first responder counterparts. So with that introduction, Chief, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me today. Very excited to be here and to be able to talk about our drone program and everything that we've been doing over the past couple of years. Yeah, in fact, you've been going, uh, the, the word has gotten out uh, more or less that you've been doing some pretty great stuff. If I recall from our conversation, like you're in Indiana, but people in like Nevada have been contacting you and people in uh, Arizona have been contacting you. Can you just tell us kind of like an overview of maybe why people have been reaching out for your advice. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, I'm going to say probably six years ago, um, we started six, you know, five, six years ago, we started getting into and decided that it would be something that that we wanted to offer. We saw that the technology was out there. Um, our department, there was only a couple of them at the time in the state of Indiana that had looked out to that. And what we ended up doing was we have a community foundation here in Johnson County. So I actually applied for a grant through this community foundation and they awarded us $10,000 to be able to go out and kind of start our drone program at the time. So, you know, we were able to buy an Inspire One back in the day and get that up and running. We were able to buy a, you know, we, we got a FLIR camera with that. And we had been working with a, a company out of Atlanta called uh, Skyfire Consulting. And when we were working with them, we got everything ordered, everything set up and it came in. Um, the, the nice thing was, is once we got up and running, we were kind of us along with uh, Wayne Township Fire Department in Marion County were kind of some of the first ones that actually were able to, you know, have those drones and, and be running throughout the state of Indiana. So, um, yeah, you know, like you said, what happened was we started small, we got a little bit of equipment and we got started. And then from that point, it, the word just kind of got out that we had that. So um, we probably went you know, six months and doing training. We traveled to Atlanta, got all of our, you know, certifications, got our, you know, our COA through the FAA set up and running. Um, and then when it really started to take off was probably the first run 
that we had major success on um, was we were called to um, Shelby County, which is an adjacent county to the one that I'm in currently here in Johnson in Indiana. And they asked us for um, to, to bring the drone down. And what they had was they had a person that uh, you know was a diabetic person who had um, basically low blood sugar, had left their house and wandered away from home. So they had been searching. Law enforcement had been looking probably for two hours uh, prior to my arrival on scene. So we got there, got everything set up. And within 10 minutes, we located the, uh, the female in an open field up against a fence um, with the FLIR camera. So, That's you know, awesome. yeah, it was awesome. You know, that was the neat thing about it was we actually, every person on scene that night got the opportunity to see, you know, how valuable this tool was because they had spent two hours walking, bringing people in, looking all over the place with no luck. And they had known that this person had wandered out the door when her husband was home at the time. Um, so, you know, they had two hours, looked, couldn't find her. Within 10 minutes of being up, we located, we put the drone right over top of where she was at on this fence row out in the middle of an open field and we directed everybody in. So, you know, That's they awesome. were able to, you, we had it on camera of them coming out, locating her, and then she got the medical help that she needed. So that was just the, uh, the beginning uh, right then and there. Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue, and collapse and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. The Readiness Lab is trailblazing disaster readiness. Early access for the highly anticipated course, Emergency Management Response for Dynamic Populations is currently live. Think you have what it takes? Join us in Atlanta for an immersive experience. Space is limited to 40. Go to thereadinesslab.com forward slash training to learn more. Okay, let's jump back in. It's, it's so funny to talk to you because uh, that's a story you didn't tell me. You know, usually when people tell me about their highlights, they give me like all of their highlights. But like the more I talk to you, like the more good experiences you've had with these drones. And yeah. you're talking about just like to pull back just a little bit for people who uh, are, are trying to process this. Yep. All the resources of the vehicles, the people, you know, the personnel, the support personnel to go out and to look and to to, to walk all that time is money. It's a lot of money. And when you went out there, you had yourself and a spotter, I'm assuming. Yes. Correct. So a two person team versus <laughs> like how many people were out there and for hours versus 10 minutes. I mean, just talk about the, the, the money saved alone, let alone actually helping somebody who was, you know, potentially in a, in a dangerous situation. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So this was two hours that somebody was out having a medical emergency laying in a field. So, you know, if we hadn't have found her in that amount of time or overnight, who knows what would have happened or how long she would have been out there. So, yeah. you know, and then you're talking about the man hours, you know, that we're, that we're dealing with. So there was at least probably 20 to 30 people on scene for two hours. It was probably about an hour, hour, 15 minutes into it when they decided to give us a call and, and to give it a try um, just because somebody had heard about it and wanted to see what it could do. Just do the quick math there of that, right? 30 people, two hours of pay, 
and you know versus two people in a in a drum and and the fact that you did it in ten minutes like that's like the yeah. ultimate win right like right. like yes like all that so you talked about taking six months to do the training um you, you mentioned a coa for those who don't understand not a course of action but a certificate of waiver or authorization from yes. uh faa um it's a special designation so that you can get uh pre-approvals i think it's within an hour uh yes. of uh emergency services yeah yeah so, so that's the route we decided to go yeah yeah exactly and when we first started it um uh, like i said it it was kind of outside of our scope of what we were doing and having that understanding so you know, you know shameless plug but like i said skyfire consulting was was fantastic for us and they were one of the group and there's a lot of other groups throughout the united states that can help get something like that set up we ended up using them and, and they walked us through it from start to finish so um they helped us file it all and everything else well i'm uh i'm i'm always willing to get more sponsors skyfire <laughs> that's uh, right Absolutely. Uh, great group <laughs> no that that's um that's really great stuff and the fact that you you went through a training regimen now I, I i'm gonna throw this out there one of the major gaps that i have in like drones for good is that like the the faa like 107 pilot's license for like commercial flights yes it's totally different than like doing preliminary damage assessments or doing night flights you know for for missing right. persons so between the training that you did, can you kind of walk through the training that you did and maybe some advice for people who are looking at creating their own training program? Yeah, um, basically for our training, uh, you know, we started off by going down to Atlanta and meeting with that group. So uh, they put us through basically uh, an abbreviated, I would call it a, you know, a two day flight school, you know, walking us through all of the rules and regulations that you're going to be dealing with, you know, working with how to set up the COA, what does your COA cover? You know, where are you allowed to fly? Where can't you fly? Um, different things like that. And they were fantastic at spending all that time. So of, of getting us up and ready on that. Then, then we started working on, you know, just flying techniques and making sure that we were proficient with the drone and spending a lot of time working through that. And, you know, how do you do certain things? So at the time, you know, we had an actual, you know, on the Inspire One, it actually had a way of, uh, like a claw on the bottom that we had added to it so we could carry, you know, mm -hmm. like a rope across on a uh, swift water incident or, you know, different things to, you know, that we could use. So we, we spent a lot of time going through all of that. Um, from a training program standpoint, um, it's flight time, plain and simple. Just making sure that you're out there. Flying the drones is the easy part. Uh, what I always say is it's when something goes wrong is the hard mm -hmm. part and understanding that. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example of, you know, one of our, our pilots here when they were using it, basically um, when they were out flying, the, the drone itself just kind of took off. And every once in a while, you'll run into some interference and, uh, yeah. you know, have some issues with power lines where, you know, the transmission lines may throw off the signal and, and you lose signal for a minute. Um, well, I remember this person come running in. I was in my office and they're like, hey, the drone's flying away and there's nothing I can do to stop it. Um, so we, we quickly, I'm like, did you hit the home button? And they're yeah. like, no, I didn't do that. So, you know, just realizing quickly we hit the home button and it came back uh luckily it was still within you know range that we were able to do that but the hardest part about flying a drone is dealing with those issues i mean we've actually you know we've had a, a couple issues on runs where we've had some damage to a drone and different things like that and it always comes down to losing signal or trying to you know make sure that you get it before you you have that signal issue we had um 
gosh, I was maybe it was in Georgia mm-hmm. for tornadoes. I'm trying to remember which state I was in. Oh, we were working with a team that was doing drones. This is my FEMA days. Yeah. And uh, somebody, so you can you can pre-put in coordinates so that it tracks like over, you know, it does like basically a grid grid run. run. Somebody put in a coordinate wrong and it starts taking off. And we're like, what? And so we're trying to get the drone back. And luckily, you know, like the, when it gets down to like 20%, it automatically returns home. Yep. I was looking up the coordinates and I, and I, when I pulled it up, it was like in the middle of like the Atlantic ocean by, <laughs> by like Africa or something. So right. it's it like taken off. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. So it's like really important that we figure out, you know, what we're putting in there, how we're going to do that. Cause I, I yeah, like, there is, there is no worse feeling than watching a $10,000 piece of equipment fly away from you and trying to figure out how to get it back. So yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, it happens uh, quickly. <laughs> but so, so in your line of work, I mean, I, all of the stuff that I've been trying to do is is mostly buildings, right? Building damage, trying to figure right. out preliminary damage assessment. But when you're dealing with people, you're talking about being in a field, and I'm sure you've had cases now where people are in forests, uh-huh. dealing with tree lines and the foliage and all that stuff. What are do you have any experiences working with that and and some positives that came out of that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you learn the limitations of your drone pretty quickly. So. When we started our program years ago um, in the state of Indiana, DNR didn't have any at the time. Um, mm-hmm. They were looking at getting some. And, and like I said, that's why we took off so quick was just, you know, being fortunate enough to have that equipment. So we were getting called on missing people, you know, all around the state to work with the Department of Natural Resources. They would give us a call, have us come in and say, hey, we're, we've been missing this, uh, you know, this person that's hiking in the woods for 12 hours. Can you help us? So, you know. One example that we had was we were called late at night, um, you know, down towards Bloomington. And while we were there, we searched all night with the FLIR camera trying to find them. But the tree, the cover was so heavy that you'd only be able to see through, you know, the breaks in the trees. So, mm. um, you know, we had to kind of change in that one. So there was some limitations. We did everything we could with the drone. And what we ended up doing was we ended up getting, you know, 10 to 15 people together. And at daybreak, we went walking through the woods where the last known location was. And we ended up finding this hiker that was, you know, stuck in the woods and lost. So, you know, mm-hmm. the drone at that point with the trees, we do deal with that a lot, um, you know, and, yeah. and seeing, you know, and making sure that we're dealing with, you know, what the limitations are of it. I, I think it's okay to call that out. You know, like when people talk about like a technology, they're so afraid to like say like there's anything bad or there's anything that limitations. And it's like, it's okay to say, hey, this is a tool in the toolbox. It can work for every scenario. Yeah. Um, but that that's interesting that you've had that. But can there's other uh, there's there's one that you're telling me about a person on a riverbed, where like they can you tell me that story just like uh, for the sake of the audience? Yeah. The so we were we would get got out of his car over. or something and ran away or the which one I'm sorry he's like got out of his car and ran away and like r- ran oh, into yeah. the riverbed. Yeah, so we got called one night, uh, police called us. They had been on a chase, you know, trying to catch up with somebody. And the person had basically ditched their car and ran into a 100-acre cornfield. And, you know, so they were in this large cornfield um, late at night. And what they had done is they had run out into the middle of the cornfield and they'd laid down. Um, Police didn't know if they were still there, but they called us for the drone that night just so that we could check. So, um, you know, I showed up on scene, had our spotter got everything ready to go. And we started searching through all of these different cornfields where they possibly could be. 
and kind of the same thing again. They've been out looking, hadn't had much luck, didn't know where they were at. And uh, as I was flying over this cornfield and going back and forth, um, all of a sudden we saw a heat signature. Um, so, and sometimes from up above, you can't tell. You'll, you'll see different heat signatures. You'll see animals. You'll see, you know, deer, different things like that. And you have to distinguish what it is. So um, as I got down on top of that heat signature in the cornfield, and it was way out in the middle of this cornfield, um, it started crawling. And then I realized instantly that we had it on video that this was the person they were looking for. And, uh, you know, I always laugh about that run because this person realized that we had spotted them with the drone. So, you know, they were on their belly crawling through this cornfield, thought that they had gotten away. And all of a sudden you can see it on the video where all of a sudden they stand up, they put their hands up and basically gave up because the drone was up above them. So uh, awesome. at that point, what they did was they were walking out of the cornfield. We were able to uh, radio to the police department and to the sheriff's department to give them the coordinates of exactly where they were going to walk out. So I've got this on FLIR camera of this person standing up, putting up their hands, walking out of the cornfield. And we've got like four officers waiting on them when he came out. So uh, that was a pretty neat one to see because obviously, you know, there is no way that, you know, anybody could have walked through those cornfields and probably found that person uh, yeah. without that, that technology that night. One, you could have had a person get away. Two, you might have had a really dangerous situation that was completely mitigated because you're watching this this person walk out. And the fact that, you know, this this small piece of equipment, you know, very quickly just ended an entire situation. You have to send me that video. I really want to put it on social media yeah. um, and just to look at it, just laugh at it. But, you know, that, that just shows like the, the power of this stuff, you know, and you're you're walking through these different types of scenarios. Have you had a chance yet to use it? Uh, you know, you're talking about the ropes for swift water. Have you used it on the water yet? Have you used it in, in like a, a mass flooding event? Yes. So um, we've, we've actually used it on all those items that you just kind of mentioned. So um, swift water, we've, we've been called out with DNR and different programs um, over the past few years where, you know, a missing kayaker uh, in a swift water incident um, some of those didn't always have the best outcome, but we were able to locate, um, you know, one time we actually located the kayak, you know, about you know half a mile downstream and we were able to do that with the drone. And then that kind of gets us into the area of, you know, last known location. And then, you know, sometimes it's just waiting on the water to come down, uh, you know, in order to, to, to find somebody. So, you know, yeah. we, we've done that plenty of times. Um, you said it best, uh, you know, using it for disasters or it, it's a fantastic tool. Um, you know, we've had multiple flooding events uh, in this county here where we've been able to go out and, you know, get aerial views of it and, and post that and, and show people kind of what's going on. So I've used it in my district to show roads that are closed. And, and you know, you can show live video of, you know, water rushing over the area and kind That's of awesome. give everybody a heads up of, of what's going on. And, and those those things are it's an invaluable tool. I mean, you were talking earlier and asking about, you know, really what it came down to was being one of the first ones in the state that was fortunate enough to have one along with a couple other departments and having a supportive department that absolutely, you know, told us go wherever you need to go and help out wherever you can at the time. So that it, it just kind of, we, we kind of caught lightning in a bottle, you know, years ago and, yeah. and still to this day, we still use it. So we had a call this morning, you know, for a three-year-old missing child um, that had, you know, gotten away from home and they instantly started the UAV and we were on our way up there and thankfully they found them prior to us arriving. But 
you know, just knowing now that people realize how you know valuable that tool is, they're calling us a lot faster now, um, you know, versus waiting, you know, four or five hours and saying, you know, maybe we should try this. Uh, man, lightning in a bottle. That might be the new name of this episode. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> It, I, you bring up a really interesting point that um, I, I've talked with firefighters, emergency managers, law enforcement, yeah. uh, a, a couple different groups now, and those who implement drones and have the support to implement drones. Yes, every single time it's a it's a win. Every single time, and I, I have I have yet to come across somebody who has implemented who had the backing and it failed. Because it's such a it's such a quote unquote cheap asset for a for a huge win every time, and there's so many different use cases, and yet I I also meet probably probably five to one that would probably be my guess of people who want to implement drones or they even got a drone and there's just no support, so they never get to use it. And it's incredibly frustrating for me. It's like, you know as an emergency manager, I basically try to think of myself like a problem solver yep. and you found, I found a tool that can solve so many problems so quickly. And when people can't use it, the frustration mounts. So uh, did you have to go through a process to, to get support? Did you, did you always have that support? And if, and if you didn't, even if you did, how do you, how do you help other people to help them get that support? What would you tell them? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing that we did back in the day was was get the funding from the community foundation um you know we spent the time to educate the community foundation on what the the benefit that would be so that community foundation runs my entire county so mm. you know we're in johnson county in indiana you know 160,000 people we we went to them and explained exactly you know what you're looking at and what the benefit would be so you know we spent a lot of time educating them and just making sure that they had an understanding and then we were very fortunate that they awarded us that $10,000, which um, didn't cover everything. You know, uh, it yeah. sounds like a lot of money, but getting everything up and running between the training, the cost of the drones and all of that other stuff, you know, my next thing was going to my district board and talking to them and explaining to them the need for it and then getting them to buy in on it. And they did. They did a fantastic job of supporting us. And then, you know, at the time I had a fire chief who was very supportive of, you know, allowing me to basically run around the state and and help out on all these calls. So, you know, this wasn't, it didn't just become a, a county asset. It ended up becoming kind of like a state asset. So, you know, between us and the one in Wayne Township, that's that's what we did. We would get the call, we would call each other, we would work together, get out and and go as soon as somebody would call. And it, it got to the point to where it felt like we were getting called out three to four times a week. So, you know, but the, the problem with that is, is making sure that you're available all the time. So really, it was it was myself at the time and uh, one other person here that was trained and we would just anytime somebody called we'd go and, and that's really what helped get it up and running to the point now where we've trained multiple other pilots we've got people on different shifts that are available now um, and still have people that are ready to go you know and made it a bigger program than where we kind of the grassroots start you know that we had but those success stories you know finding somebody in the field you know, finding the person having the medical emergency, um, you know, even DJI at the time ran a story on us, you know, finding that person in the field, having the medical emergency and and kind of ran a, a nationwide story on that through their program. And, and and that's where it came back to what I was telling you, you know, here I am in this, uh, you know, 
you know, Bartersville, Indiana, which is about 20 minutes south of Indianapolis. And I remember sitting in my office getting phone calls from different places around the country, you know, because they had seen us get up and running and, you know, seen some of the stories that had come out on that. And, and I told you the other day, you know, it, I think I, I, somebody from Henderson, Nevada had reached out and wanted to talk about how we started our program. Um, I got a phone call from the largest state park in Colorado, and it was one of the directors out there wanting to know what were we doing? You know, and it was just kind of neat to see all of that take off so quickly. Um, and now, you know, the, the neat thing I always say it is now everybody has them and there are still a lot of places that doesn't support them, but you know, yeah. we, we've definitely saturated the market, I guess, when it comes to drones compared to where five years ago, there wasn't that many of them. So, um, people saw the importance of it and started, you know, started their own program. So our, our runs started becoming more local, which is nice, you know, instead of going statewide or going to all these different places, everybody else started to have them. Oh man, I can just, I can, I, I can already feel the comments that I'm going to get on this show because, uh, there's a, like you said, there, it, it just, it's becoming such an obvious tool. Yeah. And yet I do know that there are so many people who want to, for whatever reason, like you, you, you hear all the BS answers. At least I, I have, um, like, you know, oh, DJI. Well, you're not flying over black sites. And so who cares? Yeah. To, oh, what will the, the public think? Well, the public apparently doesn't care. Right. So uh, all, uh, I, I told uh, somebody, it was really funny. They were flying a Reaper drone yep. over uh, wildfires. And they were like, okay, so we're going to fly our small DJI drone, Phantom 3 or whatever it was. <laughs> and they're like, what will they think? I'm like, what will they think when they hear Reaper drone? Right. You know, like nobody Absolutely. cares, you know? So I think, I think there's fears of people who are incompetent. And I think there's fears of people who, Oh, here's a great story. Uh, Dr. Steven Johnson's been on the show a couple of times. And for those listeners, you've heard this, this uh, training coming up in August, he's going to be there. But he talks about how he was sitting around a table with all these uh, military assets. And they were talking about, can the U.S. share with the Britons this document? And they were talking about classifications. And the lawyer came in, came in the room per the request. And they're like, guys, this is public. This is like on Google. Right. But everybody thinks everything has to be classified. <laughs> right. The same thing Absolutely. happens with drones and new technologies. It has to have like some mass fear it's like no like you're doing it people when right. people are doing it it's 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 a win so yeah anyways. and we've we've run into that i mean we've got a, a large military installation very close to us probably within 15 minutes of us and you know we've we've gone on runs down there for whether it's missing soldier or different things like that or people that have wandered onto the base by accident you know with you know thousand acres or whatever it is that this this military installation is so we've we've actually worked with them before uh and they do have the hundred thousand, you know, dollar drones oh, down there, and the different things that they can use. That's actually one of the locations that they use that. So, um, but you know, there's always, you know, the useful part of what we bring in as well. So, um, you know, we we've gotten to work with the military a couple times, and it's been really nice to to be able to kind of see the technology back and forth on that as well. Yeah, I actually think the military is much better uh, of wanting to find and more open to doing new technologies and emergency management or even emergency services, especially yeah. you firefighters. <laughs> well, I can, I can, I know how to bust through a door, so why do right. I need to? But uh, it, it's really encouraging to to both hear these stories and to hear that you're working. I mean, 
we could have an entire episode alone how you just said, oh, yeah, we used radio comms to, to talk with the sheriff. Yep. How many firefighters have I talked to or law enforcement I talked to where they don't communicate? So the fact that there's cl- cross collaboration there, there's you're helping each other out. You're you're ultimately looking for the win of helping people. And uh, it sounds like you're doing things right on so many different levels, Chief. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show and telling me and, and really sharing with our audience these, uh, these good stories with us. So thanks again. Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to be here. Like I said, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it's been a passion of ours for years now to, to kind of get the word out on, you know, what a drone can do for a department. And, you know, we didn't even touch on everything. I mean, if you start thinking about, you know, we talked about missing people and, you know, different things like that, but think about fires and everything else that we're dealing with disaster management. Like you talked about, um, a lot of places are seeing these large warehouses built in their area right now. Um, so, you know, having an aerial view, you know, when you're an incident commander on a fire like that, um, it's huge. You know, there's so many uses that these drones have that we haven't even touched the surface of everything that they can do. And which means we need to get you back on the show. That's all I, that's all I heard from that. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Uh, I'll leave everybody with this thought. Cause you talked about fires and, uh, you know, this is, uh, it's always fun to talk to first responders on the show to hear different perspectives. I was in LA and LA also has a pretty good drone program mm-hmm. and they were flying a drone outside of a cannabis warehouse or was a fire and they noticed something on the drone, like an accelerant, uh, essentially. Yep. And, um, they were able to radio, uh, 12 firefighters that were in the building just uh, fast enough to tell them to hit the ground. The accelerant exploded. Uh, all 12 were, uh, you know, were sent to the hospital, but they got them out. And, um, you know, what would have happened if they were standing or if they weren't, you know, if they were in the wrong location. So just like to call it out, like I'm an emergency manager. I care about the strategic stuff, mm-hmm. but the tacticians working with other tacticians, um, um, what could you do if you had another tool to be able to help out somebody else? Again, great example of that. For everybody listening to the show, if you have questions about drones, you can send us an email, contact at thereadinesslab.com, and we can forward it on to the chief. But if you've been using drones or if you have a question for the community, what would probably be better in this whole collaborative atmosphere is put your question on social media. A lot of people are afraid to put their questions out there, but other people have those same questions. We can answer it as a community. I'm sure the chief uh, would be able to respond there as well. And, uh, you know, let, let's do some good in the world. Drones for good. The lightning in a bottle, I believe, is what we're going to call this episode now. Absolutely. Yeah. So, again, thanks, Chief, for coming on. For all those listeners, make sure if you like this episode, give us a comment on social media on the Disaster Tough podcast. Like and subscribe if you're not doing that. And we'll see you for next week.